With your powers combined, we are fan holes. Go, go, go fan holes. Can't believe there's a chat room big enough to hold all of our present bodies. Wow. <laughs> of all the things I missed about the show, I miss Tony being wrong always. We've already got a me. We don't need another me. <laughs> oh boy, of the sheer episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ah yes, Derek. Lover of lobster women, defender of Starfire's fidelity. I just want to know who is the consultant? Who could he be? <laughs> no! I have no <laughs> Nobody can relate to a, a talking cat that eats lasagna. I'll okay. do it, but I want to be immediately killed afterwards. <laughs> Derek, in your Derek lair, do you have a list of that tells you like how to take down the other fan holes should we like go crazy how does my stupid voice sound you sound beautiful like 10 times sexier good job no one gets us because we don't explain it hey guys welcome back to another sphere-tastic cuberific episode of fan holes podcast hey what's up guys this is derek Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and joining me tonight are two, count them, two of my fellow fan holes. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike and Derek. If you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Michael. You're, you're the bravest person I know. Thank you. This is Justin, and I'm not detecting any leak. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> Fucking movie, man. What? <laughs> I don't know, man. But yeah, so we're we're here. We're here to talk we, about. We don't, in, in the future, the Fed, we don't take leaks. In the <laughs> we don't take leaks. We don't even we know what that is. <laughs> leak has been expunged. It got canceled. <laughs> they, they expunged it from the vocabulary. Nobody knows what a leak is. I'm like, you know what? Nobody will know what 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 it's like in the future. Nobody will know what a fucking handshake is like in the future. First contact's been irreparably destroyed. I'm sorry, but anyway, I'm just gonna bitch and moan. But okay, so we are. This is here. a celebration, Derek. This, this is a celebration. It's a celebration that I'm an old fuck. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Star Trek First Contact is what we're discussing tonight. It is the 25th anniversary of Star Trek First Contact. Holy fuck. It's the 25th anniversary and we are we are getting together to talk about this film. It, It came out in 1996, November 22nd, 1996 in the way back. Time machine. I had to look this up because I couldn't, dude. You know how old I am? I couldn't fucking remember where I was living. I mean, I knew I was at Loyola Marymount, but I kept thinking it was the one dorm room, like the 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 apartments that I was living in when when I got into Beast Wars. They were called the Hannon apartments, and I kept thinking that I was in the Hannon apartments when I saw this, but I knew that was wrong because I was like, wait, the Hannon apartments are those other apartments, and I was like, what the fuck is the name of the apartments where I was living at? You know, so I actually I had to fucking Google it, and it was a super pain in the ass because like like now like like back when I went there, there were like maybe. You know, I, I don't know what they call them, but, you know, like two or three, like is dormitory the right word. I don't even know. But anyway, and then there were like maybe two or three 
apartment complexes and stuff like that that was on campus. So it wasn't like super complicated. Like, but now it's like I feel like there's like ten or twelve of them. You know what I mean? And I was just like, oh, that wasn't there when I was there, and that wasn't there when I was there. So I was trying to figure out, and I'm like, I'm looking at the photos, and I'm like, that name doesn't sound familiar, and that wasn't what it was. And eventually. I found it and it was called McCarthy. And I was like, that's what it was. Like I was living in McCarthy at the time, but you know, this was back when you thought like waiting three months for a movie to come out was like forever, or at least for me, it was like nowadays, or even, even I'd say maybe after I graduated, you know, or whatever, you know, and, 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 and left uh, the university or whatever, you know, it got to the point where you're like, dude, the movie will come out when it comes out. Like time flies, like when you're having fun and, you know, you know, time goes faster, the older you get and all that kind of stuff. And you, you enjoy it more or whatever. But that was kind of back. This was back when I was young, where it was like, I remember specifically moving into those apartments. And I specifically remember like all the hype and news around, First contact, you know, first contacts coming out and blah, blah, blah. When's it coming out? November. That's going to be like three months away, you know, because I was like moving in like around September because it was the beginning of the school year, you know, and it was like one of those things where you're like, oh, man, like I'm going to have to wait so long. You know, and now it's kind of like a, a drop in the bucket is like three months or whatever. And I felt like, sorry, I'm just going to blather about this as part of the intro because it has really nothing to do with the movie, but it does have a lot to do with fan holes history. So um, remember Riker dolls? Like you remember the whole, like here's a Riker doll kid. Like this is, this is the origin story. I feel like this is the origin story of the Riker doll stuff. Cause I, I started thinking about it. Cause I was like, okay, I was living in McCarthy and then, you know, I lived in Hannon and all this other stuff. So I started looking up because I couldn't I couldn't remember all this stuff like off the top of my head. But I started looking it all up and I was like, oh, you know, because I, I guess I should preface this by saying this does have something to do with the movie is Jonathan Frakes directed Star Trek First Contact. Right. He was the director of the film. And that's why he kind of has this almost Hitchcockian like, you know, Riker's you know, on earth and not, you know, part of the, the main, main, main plot or whatever, because he's busy directing the the movie and stuff like that. But Jonathan Frakes directed this film that came out in 1996. And by the time I was in uh, off campus, like in 1999 or whatever, I, I had my own apartment off campus, but I was still going to school and everything. But this is this is where that whole like, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but when we had um, Brian on the show, that uh, was in the X-Files episode. You know, we had Brian and Jody and they talked about the X-Files episode and all that kind of stuff. And so so Brian and Linda Cardellini were in a film called Dying to Live, which was like this made for TV kind of thing or whatever. And if you look it up, it's kind of funny or whatever. But, you know, it was one of those, you know, to them at the time, it was this big deal and they had gotten jobs and stuff like that. So it was like a huge thing. And that's where they met that's where they met Jonathan Frakes. And that's, that's where that whole, you know, he, he looked on them as his kids and, you know, the whole stories about, you know, Hey, you want a Riker doll, you know, like that, you know, that kind of thing. So that's, that's where all that stuff came from. And then later, I think he was in a, I think it was on AMC or something, but he was on another show with Cardellini called the lot back in the same year or whatever. So I was like, I was kind of revisiting that stuff. Cause I went, what the hell was that called again? So I'm like trying to remember these things. So, Again, 25th anniversary, Star Trek First Contact. I'm old. Jonathan Frakes directed this. 
again, I think we're not probably going to do a synopsis for this. Like we assume if you're listening to this, you've, you've seen the damn movie, right? Like that we don't have to synopsize first contact or anything like that. But I guess I'll shut the fuck up now. Like, like first contact, like, like what did you guys like, what what, what were you guys like? Were you guys like 10? Like how old were you when this came out? I was in the eighth grade. So however you would have been like, I don't know, 12, 13, maybe. Okay. Uh, I was like, yeah, about the same age, like, yeah, 12 or 13. I, I, I didn't see it in theaters. Like I saw it like a, uh, like year later, probably when it was out, like as a rental. Okay. I remember getting on the computer in her homeroom before class started and I was trying to download the trailer and it, it was taking so long and I was impatient. <laughs> and then the teacher started class and I just got off the computer. Like I just. I guess I just minimized the window instead of like getting, you know, mm. exiting out or whatever. So about 15 minutes later, I think like teachers in the middle of class, he's talking about geography <laughs> or something. All of a sudden you hear like, and everyone in class turns and looks at me because they know like I'm the big stripper <laughs> in the class. And I was just like, oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so good that's and so good i remember kind of like derek was saying when you're that age in eighth grade like time does feel like it it's super slow like nothing nothing ever seems to hurry up for you and i remember that movie it seemed like i was waiting forever for it so it finally it's about time i didn't get to see it opening weekend i think i saw it maybe on a tuesday probably because it's the you know the theater tickets were cheaper, but I remember I went to school and a buddy of mine, like we made plans, like we were going to, we were going to meet up at the theater and hang out and then watch the movie. And then this other, I'm going to say he's a friend of ours, but he was more like, we kind of tolerated him. Like he was into the same stuff that we were, but he could be like, you know, he was a jerk, but we didn't want to claim him as our jerk, but he would hang out with us and sit with us at lunch. He overheard this plan and he was like, oh, you guys are going to go see it tonight? Well, cool. I'm going to go too. And me and my buddy just kind of looked at each other and we were like, uh, okay. And we were both like hoping he didn't show up because we were afraid he was going to like ruin the fun and, you know, talk through the movie. And, you know, he, he invited himself along and you know we didn't invite him so that kind of rubbed us the wrong way anyway so we get to the theater and i'm waiting on my buddy he shows up so we're going up and paying for our tickets and i like turn around and here comes the other guy like he's you know his mom's dropping him off and now we were both just like oh geez but you know we got snacks there there were like several arcade machines in the lobby we goofed off for like i don't know 15 or so minutes watched the movie and Movie lets out. We were all like, you know, man, like, man, that was a great movie. Yeah, remember what this happened? Yeah, remember what this happened? Yeah, that was great. So, like, the guy who invited himself turns to me and he was like, can you give me a ride home? And I was like, uh, what? He was like, oh, my mom said she would bring me, but someone else has to take me home. Can you bring me home? You know, you, you kind of have to pass my house on the way home. And I was like, uh, okay. And then he went to the bathroom and then I looked at my buddy and I was like, I'm not taking him home. I'll see you later. And I like started to leave. So my buddy was like, what? You can't. He's like, you can't just leave him stranded here. And I was just like, watch me. So I went to the car and, you know, 
we're getting ready to pull out. We're about to like exit the parking lot, and then I look and I see him running out of the movie theater. He's like, "Wait, wait, wait!" And my dad sees him, and he's like, well, "We're supposed to take him home." And I was just like, "Um, I don't think so." But he he gets in the car, and he was like. I forget exactly. I made some kind of excuse. I was like, oh, you know, we, we were in a hurry. We forgot or, or something. I forget exactly what we said. But, you know, I, I I tried to leave him and it failed. So whenever I think about seeing this movie, I think about like I think about the trailer just, you know, barging its way into like geography class lesson. And I think about trying to trying to leave my, you know, quote unquote, buddy behind but you you're know. like uh you're straight up like movie picard you would have just shot him if he got <laughs> like juiced by the borg you're like what happened to ensign lynch we left him at the movie theater we just left him there. <laughs> yes this was ensign lynch break, huh? <laughs> yeah. you know something else i was trying to like find more information about was maybe you remember this derek but like the, the character of ensign hawk do you remember there was all this like rumor stuff that he was going to be gay and then they like cut that from the movie? I, guess I don't I, I don't remember it since you brought it up. Like I can tell you what I do remember. Like like what what I remember because this was this was uh, uh, Neil McDonald like yes. way before he, you know, became M. Bison and, and looked like, uh, you know, Dum uh, Dum Duggan in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and stuff like that. But he still had that Marvel connection like and I, and I traced this to make sure I wasn't misremembering because, you know, 25 years ago and I can't remember shit. Right. And and my memory of it, which turned out to be true, was I was like, I remember him being the um, I guess the quote unquote lead in the open Incredible Hulk cartoon because he was Bruce Banner on that cartoon. Oh, right. Yeah. And that that was the first time I think I had ever uh, become familiarized with his work. Right. And so so I, I think I remember reading about that. And I think because of things like, you know, Batman, the animated series, I, I became more engaged in paying attention to who was portraying like what roles and all this other stuff. And and somewhere along the way, I must have read and, you know, this and that and saw, you know, OK, this was the guy who was doing Bruce Banner. And then and then I made that connection, you know, because we, we all read like Entertainment Weekly, like that was probably injected into our veins back when we were in LMU. Like, I think you had to read that or something like it was kind of like it's kind of like X-Men when like you're a little kid, like everybody has to fucking read X-Men or some shit or else you're not cool. Like you sort of had to read Entertainment Weekly or hope that somebody else had a copy of it and you could read it or whatever. And maybe that's where I read it or something like that. But I realized, okay, this is the same guy who was, who, you know, who was Bruce Banner or whatever. So it's like that, you know, I, I don't know, like, like, I guess talking about that character, like, like, it's funny. Cause like everyone else in that film had like, like seven years to acclimate themselves to like techno babble and, special effects and all that other stuff you know don't get me wrong like he's been in plenty of stuff i think he's he's great right but like it's like he looks like a lost little kid the entire <laughs> movie like like he doesn't know where the fuck he is or what's going on or what or like or like is it just me like it looks like he always feels like he's looking in the complete wrong direction from everybody else because he's not like part of the crew <laughs> or something like it's like 
everybody else, like, you know, w- w- Brent Spiner and Picard and, you know, uh, uh, fucking Michael Dorn, whoever, right? Like, they're all, you know, Stuart and all these guys, they're all, like, looking in one direction at the view monitor screen, but it's, like, Ensign Hawks over there, like, you know, hey, what's going on? You know, and he's, like, looking in the completely opposite direction or whatever. So, like, I feel like I, I kind of felt bad for him because it's, like, I don't think that's his fault. I think, like, dude, he only had, like, half of a movie to, like, do his best, whereas they were all doing it for, like, seven years and two movies. And you know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know. That's just my take on it. But no, I don't I don't remember any of that stuff. But I mean, I'm not saying that you're, you know, that you're mistaken or anything. I just I, I honestly just don't remember it. You know, I that was the big rumor back in the day, because I remember spending a lot of time on like message boards back then and stuff. And like, I remember reading like most of the script for this, like someone someone had like got their hands on the script and they were posting excerpts like, you know, like one a day or something. And when I came across it, like they had got up to where Picard says the auto destruct. And I remember like me and my friends were reading this in the library and I was like, this seems really cool, but like I, they can't blow up the ship. Like they just got this thing. Right. So we were like, no, nah, this isn't true. But what my memory of like reading it and then leaving the theater, I was like, man, that script was like pretty spot on. But anyway, the big rumor was like uh, that character was going to be like the first like openly gay character in Star Trek. And then when the movie came out, there was none of that in the movie. And the rumor was that like, you know, Paramount got nervous. You know, it was early 90s. And, you know, there was that episode of Deep Space Nine where where Dax kissed a woman. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot okay. of okay. I mean, there was a lot of outrage about that. I mean, it sounds weird now, but like it was the 90s. And like I remember. I mean, I was in the shit back in the day. Like, I had a subscription to the Star Trek Communicator magazine, like the official magazine. And I remember people writing just angry, blistering letters like, you know, how dare you put this in a TV show? Like, you know, I can't let my kids watch this anymore. Like, I'll never watch Star Trek again. But, like, so I was trying to find out more about this rumor. And apparently it was just a rumor. Like, there was never any of that in the script. Like, I was trying to find some sources and i went to memory alpha and they were like oh the, you know production staff was asked about that and they were like no this was never gonna be in the movie at all but what's funny is in some of the novels they later made him gay and gave him a partner and a whole backstory and he was featured in i want to say like two novels and then there was like a novel there was like an anthology where he had like several appearances in that book so even though it was like never on screen and apparently it was just a rumor like it was eventually made official i guess part of in some capacity yeah it's official in some capacity like as official as a novel can be i guess but yeah i, that, I, I thought that, maybe no. no that that seems like one of those things where it's like at least in the context of the first contact film with so much stuff going on and so much focus being on like the action and, you know, like most next generation films, the main focus is going to be Picard and data. Like there's no two ways about it. Right. Like the most you could hope for is I guess what, like the, the Sulu thing, you know, in the, the Abrams movies, like, like, you know, you know, something where they walk by holding hands or, you know, says see you later, honey. And the door closes and that's, you know what I mean? Like, I, what else could they put in there? And then conversely, like, what? I guess you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like, they, they could get a bunch of pats on the back for that. But then at the same time, like, 
you know, spoilers, fucking Ensign Hawk is like the biggest red shirt in the entire <laughs> Next Generation franchise. I mean, he's like, hey, look, look at Ensign Hawk. It's the new guy, Ensign Hawk. Hey, why don't we go fight the Borg so long for Ensign Hawk? You know, like, and it's like he's gone, right? Now, and it's like. I was just going to say, you know, what's funny. It's like I haven't seen this movie in probably like 10 years, maybe like longer. And like when I first saw him on the bridge, I was like, is that Neil McDonald? And I was like, oh, that is him. Like, I forgot he was in this. And then then like when he kept appearing in scenes, I was like, does he die in this movie? Like, he's got to die. <laughs> like, cause, you know, uh, you never see him again or like before or since. So he's probably going to die. Right. And for some reason, I was conflating him with the dude who, like, asks Picard, like, you know, or, or like, comes onto the bridge when the Borg are, like, you know, taking decks and, like, you know, or, or weapons oh. are no longer effective, like, you know, and Picard tells him, like, you know, fight hand to hand or whatever. And I was like, that was that was Neil McDonald, wasn't it? And I was like, no, it's not like he's like dead by that. Like, I think is he dead by that point? I think so. Like, or. Or, or that's like way after that, but yeah, I, I don't, so. yeah, like, but I was just like, oh yeah, he does. I was like, does he die? And uh, then when they went on their little spacewalk, I was like, oh yeah, okay, he gets like dragged away by the board. And then, then like when he came back, I was like, oh, he does come back. Like, okay, like it, it, you know, as a Borg, but like I, I, I totally forgot what happened to him. I mean, talking about the the zero G makes me think like I, I have to have full disclosure that I. I purchased all the the oversized, out of scale Playmates toys for this <laughs> film tie-in, and and this was you know you know it's weird. I don't know I don't know what my deal was, and maybe I'm glad I did it or not. I mean I don't I don't have any of these anymore. But like that was one of the few lines like I think just by sheer happenstance because of a trade or something, I happened to have an open Admiral McCoy or something like that from that line. In my time collecting that line, whether it was the five inch ones or these, these were about like what, like seven inches or something. They were they were much bigger, right? Like or, or maybe six inches, something. I don't know. They were they were bigger, um, the first contact ones. But in in my entire time collecting that line, outside of the props like the communicators and the phasers that I would open up and futz around with and everything, like and and using costumes and things like that, like I never opened like I, I displayed them all like by like hanging the the blister cards on the wall. And that's how I, I guess, you know, I don't know, got enjoyment out of them or what, I don't know what my deal was, but I just never opened any of these, but I did, I did buy the whole, you know, kitten caboodle wave or whatever. And that's, that's what that makes me think of that scene. Cause it's like, they had the one figure where it was just like a generic, like if I recall correctly, it was just like a generic zero G thing, you know, like, or whatever, where I was like, Hey, it's, you know, it's, Ensign Hawk, or, you know, like whoever, you know, like that kind of thing. So I remember I was like so into this, I ended up getting the comic adaptation and I also read the novelization. Just so that shows you like how deep in the shit I was at the time. Were you in the shit? Yeah, I was in the shit. So I, I, I think it's also worth disclosing before we get too deep into this that I, I feel like this movie is typically universally hailed as the best next generation star trek film having said that i think i simultaneously do not like this movie and have a shit ton of problems with it and it's it's one of those things like way after the fact like i think this movie 
is a crowd pleaser. I think everyone has super fond memories of it. I think when I went to the theater to see it, I was like, fuck yeah, first contact, yeah, they fight the boar, yeah. But I think in the back of my head, I was always kind of like, you know, there, there were things that always bothered me and everything, and, and we can get into those specifically. But I, I, I just felt like that's kind of worth mentioning, that I, I appreciate, I acknowledge, like, without a doubt, like, th- I think that's a true statement, right? Like, this is the best next generation movie, right? Like, yeah. I mean, right. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not telling any lies or whatever, but then simultaneously, I also kind of feel like I don't like this movie. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I just, you know, like the Zephram Cochran thing, the, the fucking Picard forgot, like, like, you, you know what, you know what this is like? This is like, this to me, like this is going to be lost on some people, but I'm like, this is like a fucking DBZ movie. Like it only makes sense if certain shit either never happened or I don't know, like like the thing that I could never get over in this movie and rewatching it just brought it all back to me was like it's like this movie completely ignores the arc Picard goes through in I Borg like and I don't know why that's such an important thing like. It's like, you know, who's like, I'll try to make this a positive thing too and spin it as well. You know, who's, who's still good in this movie and still holds up and, and what the greatest, you you know, what the greatest moment in this movie is, is the, the scene between Alfie Woodard and Picard. Like, I almost feel like they wrote that scene first and said, Fuck I Borg, fuck everything that like they didn't even come up with anything. They just wrote that one scene and then they wrote around that like scene and just built on top of it. And you, you know what I thought was interesting was like I, I had never realized this, but the, the you know, I think I in this is all apocryphal, right? Like, I don't know if Wikipedia is right or whatever. I was like casually, you know, perusing online or whatever. But I mean, I feel like it speaks to why the movie doesn't completely work is it it sounds like what uh, uh, Ronald D. Moore was like, let's get the Borg in there. The Borg's going to get people in seats. Right. And that's where he was coming from. And then Bragg is like, well, I want to do a time travel story where they go back to the Renaissance and then they compromised. So they made it about the Borg. And they made it a time travel story. But instead of going back to the Renaissance. They go back to the Cockrum launch. And I feel like that's, you know, like they, they were trying to make like two different movies. And like, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, like, I know the trailer says like, because I know, you know, Justin told this story about, you know, the 15 minute download for like a two minute trailer, which is totally realistic in 1993. You guys totally realistic. Um, it was like took me a day to download an episode of fucking Beast Machines. Um, so. 22 minutes took me a day on dial-up. What? Anyway, so the trailer, I I realized because I rewatched the trailer too because I wanted to see again if my memory was playing tricks on me. There there is a line about them. I forget what the line is, but there is something that infers like they're going to go back in time. It's a teaser. It's a trailer. Like it's kind of... It's kind of vague and cryptic. Like, I wanted to ask, like, before you watch this movie, did you think it was just going to be like this awesome movie where they fought the Borg? Or did you think it was going to be like this wacky comedy where they go back in time and 
get into like hijinks with people from the past. Cause I feel like 10% of this movie is an awesome fight with the Borg and 90% of the movie is like, wah, 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 like type shit. But I don't know. We, we interspersed with like action amongst the starship and that kind of thing. But, but it's, I, I don't know. Like some of that I always felt was diluted because it's not, it's not like a ship fighting a cube. It's like the Borg are infesting the new enterprise. And then you have that thing that Justin was talking about where you're like, they just got this fucking ship and now they're going to fucking destroy like that. You know, that all that stuff like bothered the hell out of me. And then I feel like it's a crowd pleaser because you have that reaction and then they end up not blowing up the ship. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. But you realize like how fucking stupid the whole thing is where you're like, they just have a button that magically disperses flesh eating gas like and if they have that button why didn't the board press the fucking button like right away like i don't know anyway sorry like stuff like that like just drives me nuts but like when you saw these trailers like what what were your expectations going into this and I guess, and feel free to disagree with me like does this movie still hold up for you like do you still love this movie like like i assume it was a crowd pleaser when you first saw it but but tell me if I'm wrong. Like and now later in life, like does it does it still hold up for you? Is it still like one of your favorites, or do you kind of go, oh okay, there's flaws with this? I knew that they were gonna go back in time. I don't think I knew about the Ziff from Cochrane stuff until I read that pieces of that script that were leaked on the internet. Uh, like I said, when I left the movie, me and my two friends, we were all like hyped up and we thought it was great. I've watched it. I don't know hundred times or more over the years and i've watched it with uh different commentary tracks and uh, you know all the dvd extras and stuff i do think it's the best tng movie easily because the others are so disappointing does it still hold up you know i was watching it and all the stuff that takes place on earth with Riker and troy and jordy and ziff and cochran like I wasn't that into it like this time around. I don't know. Like it's been, it's been several years since I actually sit down and watched it, but I was just kind of like not that into it. Like the whole, you know how on red litter media complains about like Troy loses herself in each movie. She's acting less and less like Troy. And, and then becomes more, more and like, more Marina Sirtis. Yes. Yeah. It's especially like the accent and just the way she acts like, that's where you feel it in this movie. And it's all the stuff in like the bar. And well, you, you know what, you know, like this, I, I was going to let you kind of talk and, and go into like all the answers, but just to dovetail into what you're saying, like, so people know where I'm coming from a little bit is like this, besides feeling like a DBZ movie, it also feels like this movie suffers explicitly from you're a dick x-men 2000 problems like like there are so many crowd-pleasing one-liners and it also is and you'll remember this at least justin that the halloween resurrection factor like this movie only works when you're in a packed theater with a packed audience and data goes I think everyone will agree when I say to hell with our orders and literally when you were in that fucking theater at least for me it was fucking saved by the bell hoots and hollers and cheers. Like every time any of those dumb fucking lines were said. And when you watch that shit at home, it's like, you're a dick. 
and no one laughs. It's fucking crickets. Like it only worked the one fucking time. Like, and there's about 15 moments in this movie for me that are all like that moment in X-Men where he says, you're a dick. And, and the audience goes, and if you ever watch it after that, it's like, and, and, and specifically going back to what you said and hopefully letting you continue on from there is the, the Deanna or the Dina, you know, like, like all that shit, like where she's like, I'm drunk, like. I'm pretty sure I feel like because like, I was thinking about this like it was in November and I was like, did I watch this like on a break from university or did I watch this? And I swear I watched this with people from uh, Loyola because or at, at the very least, I remember uh, a guy I was buddies with at Loyola and he loved Marina Sirtis and he thought this was like the funniest scene ever. And I kind of feel like I must have seen the movie with him that he was like laughing and going oh she was so great like she did this such a great drunk she was so funny ha 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 and of course he liked her and thought she was beautiful and all this other stuff right and so like that was his thing right and and like i get that like that could work like that first time but again i agree with you when you when you watch this like 25 years later and you've seen it hundreds of times like something about it 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 doesn't you know there's certain movies like I don't know for, for me, this is, this doesn't mean that it has to apply to everybody, but for me, like wrath of Khan, if there's something that's funny, I laugh at it. If there's something that's serious, I, I get invested in it. It doesn't change. I still almost get the same tingles that I would get when I first saw it as a little kid. And like the only person th- this is going to be hopefully a good place to a- cap this off. But the only person that I think, still holds up and still gives me the same vibe and same tingles in this whole movie is Alfre Woodard. And like when she says shit, that's funny. Like it's, and she doesn't have a lot of funny lines, but like there there's, there's like moments, you know, the little ships and there's like the, I'm, I'm trying to think of it, but there's like that one thing where she, she, she has like a little aside, you know, where she kind of, you know, is talking to herself as they like walk through the Borg and all that other stuff. And like, she's just uh, to me, like she's on point. And like, I, I feel like, like, that's why I almost feel like the whole movie was like, they wrote that scene between him and her. And then they, 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 they expanded around that because like, that's the best, I don't know, to me, like, that's the best fucking thing in the whole movie, whether I think the Star Trek nerd continuity shit makes sense or not. Like, even if you, if, if you got rid of all that stuff, I still agree with you that like drunk Dina and, and some of these like, you know, wacky moments, you know, like, like don't, you know, fucking Jordy, what's a leak, you know, like, like that kind of stuff just doesn't, doesn't play with me. I'm like, why is, why is Barkley better in this movie than fucking Jordy? You know what I mean? Like that, that, that seems wrong. And that's why you're like, you, you might have not noticed it, but your brain did. You know, it's like you might have not noticed that Jordy was a fucking moron in this movie, but your brain did. You know, like where it's like, why? Why is Barkley? But anyway, whatever. Can but I yeah. ask you something? Yes. Yes. OK. Star Trek three. Scotty is about to leave the Excelsior and he tells the computer up your shaft. Do you still chuckle at that? Do you feel about some of the humor in that movie? Like the way you feel about this or, or not? <sighs> 
Uh, that's probably a good question. I probably have to revisit it when the next anniversary comes up, and we'll have to we'll have to find out the answer to that question. Or like, but like or like some of that well, stuff in the bar, like with McCoy. Like I still find most the, of that the, stuff the McCoy charming. stuff. The McCoy stuff. See, but the McCoy like DeForest Kelly is like Alfred Woodard. Like yeah. he's good, right? Like like, and I I kind of feel like you know you're kind of getting to the crux of it, but it's like Marina Sirtis is being more of herself and maybe that's an aspect of she had to play drunk and the only way some people can play drunk is you know the the whole point is like i don't know th- th- this was always something in acting right where where the, you had these lessons about it and all this bullshit right but like the thing about like and this is stupid to go into like this is how you play drunk lesson on a podcast or whatever but like <laughs> like the the thing about it is like the obvious thing remember when I was drunk and it's like I was loud and I was obnoxious and hey man guys I'm drunk but the the idea is you're actually supposed to play that you're you know like you're fighting you you know what I mean like in other words like people that are actually drunk don't think they're outlandish and loud and brazen and stupid and all this other stuff they actually think they sound super cool and super normal and they're they're uninhibited but yet when you're playing that like there has to be that aspect to the performance right and you know sometimes maybe you think oh well i'm uninhibited so i'm gonna let my guard down but then somehow like that turns into her just using her regular accent or you know whatever whatever you know kind of i don't know flaws that you notice or things like that but like i you know stuff like that like I'm I'm trying to think like like oh up your shaft like like is that funny to me still like I I don't know don't, like, Eric, like 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 don't call some me of tiny it, don't don't but see that's I don't know man that's still cool because <laughs> the dude's tall and he you know he's like don't yeah. fucking do you know like like there's still some stuff like that where even Uhura's moment like is still a really good moment in that movie and maybe 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 it's just that I have more of a fondness for the original cast or whatever right but then there is this weird aspect of all the the next generation movies it's not just this one it's like to me it's all of them where for for a television series that made its bones like you know no pun intended made its bones Mm -hmm. saying like look at how we're not doing the kirk mccoy spock show for lack of a better term like, look, look at how ensemble we are. We we have a great episode with Picard and the flute and he cries. But then you get to have a great episode with Will Riker playing the trombone and he, you know, does the stuff with the little alien head guys and whatever. Right. And then you have the stuff with, you know, Jordy turning into a salamander or what, whatever. Right. Like, like everybody's got their. There, you know, Worf's got some fantastic episodes like everybody, you know, so it's an ensemble. So everybody gets their moment. Right. But all these films, I mean, come on, man, like, be honest, man. It's the data fucking Picard show. Like, so what 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 do they get? These other guys get the scraps or, you know, to, to keep them coming back. It's like, oh, you don't get to be the character you played. You don't get to be the counselor or whatever. You get to, like, you know dance and get drunk and do funny comedy because that's what you really wanted to do or what you know i don't know like i i I feel like some of these were like crumbs that were like you know shiny bright crumbs to attract returning cast but at the same time it's kind of like 
that yeah, you wanted to do comedy, but are you like, are you good at doing comedy? Like, like, is this, I don't, I don't know. Like, like to me, it's like, there's aspects of these films that feel like they're in the shadow of, um, the voyage home, right. Where you're like, you're, you're, you're trying to chase the dragon, like I don't I don't think they planned for the voyage home to be as popular as it was and I don't think they knew that it was going to be semi I, I I don't know how to explain it but like I think they thought they were making a Star Trek movie but people responded to it because of the I don't know the environmental I don't know you know the the themes the preservation themes but also like the the aspect that like there's a lot of deadpan stuff in that, but it was funny to people. And I feel like they were always trying to chase that dragon. And it's like, it's like some of it, you know, like, like a lot of this stuff, it just feels like kind of forced to me. Like, like, you know, the, the whole, like, like, okay, this is, this is a good example. Cause I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going all over the place with my notes and not going in order. So it's not super boring or whatever, but like the whole, you got a tough little ship there, little. And then, you know, uh, uh, Plinkett will play the the laugh track, right? Like, and that that that's kind of that's kind of true about this movie. Like, like because you you need a laugh track in this movie because they 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 stop and they look at each other. They're like waiting. Like, like that's something you do in theater. Like, like that you learn, right? You don't you don't start saying your next line while the audience is like ha. Oh! because people can't hear your next line right so you play to the audience so one night you might not get a long laugh you might get a couple chuckles or some it might not play right somebody might not like dina's drunk that night so then you keep going right but some nights it might play like gangbusters and there's all these people roaring with laughter and and you wait to play for the laughs right and then you go into you know your next scene or your your next line or whatever it is and literally it's like this is a this is a movie but yet they 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 have that that time for audience laughter and what's cracks me up is like and and literally i mean this was a crowd pleaser like in the theaters all the data lines, all the, the, you know, the, the stuff like that, where it's like, you know, th- th- everybody was, was, was laughing at it. Or even, even, you know, some of the stuff that is a little more deadpan that I think works more, which is the Alfred Woodard stuff. It's like, bullshit, you know, like, like, and she's serious about that. Like she's committed to that, but it's still funny to people, right? Like there's, there's moments where it's like, you know, you know, like that, that she has where there's a, there's a verisimilitude to it and you, you feel like there's, there's some, I don't know, some weight to it or whatever, but that's, that's all kind of, you know, but, but like, I, I feel like, you know, drunk Dina, you know, like that's not, that, that, that's crowd pleaser shit that just doesn't, you know, that that's like, the, you know, to me, I mean, that's, that's basically like, I feel like about that, that most people feel like about, you know, Buster Rhymes and Halloween where I like, I remember my good fond memories from from seeing it in the theater and laughing my ass off where it's like trick or treat motherfucker. And everybody's like, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah. And everybody's like cheering and all this other shit. Right. But if I watched that movie on my own, on a Blu-ray alone with nobody else, I'm almost positive it's going to ruin my experience of it. Like that, that it's not going to be the same thing. And, and I kind of feel like there's a lot of, you know, like, like, do you, do you cheer when Worf goes assimilate this? Like, cause that's what's supposed to happen. And that's what did happen in the movies. But 
when I watch this, it's just kind of like yawn, you know, like, like, <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, okay, whatever. Shoot the fucking thing. Assemble like this, you know, and I'm just kind of like, it, it just sounds so fucking stilted too. Like where it's like, I don't know, man, like that, that's, that's one of those things. Like I, I didn't expect to talk about this that much, but that's, it's, it's like uh, the nicest way I can say it is like a, a lot of what, what worked in this movie becomes cold without an audience, you know, like, and it's like you, you crowd pleased an audience and then revisiting it years later to me, it it doesn't hold up because you were, I don't know, like, like it's like, it was, it was a crowd pleaser, but like, it, it was like at the expense of making it a good movie. If that makes sense. I don't know. I don't know. That's probably harsh, but you know, Mike, what about you? You said it had been about 10 years since you last saw this. Like, did you chuckle at anything in this or was it, was it just crickets for you? You know, you, yeah, what, what you guys are saying is very, like, I, I'm, I am very much like vibing with what you guys are saying because I originally saw this like as a, it was like a weekend rental, like when I was like 12 or 13, probably like I, it came like I, when it came out on home video, like whatever, like a, maybe a year after it hit theaters, like I wasn't too much of a Star Trek fan then. Like I'd catch the original, like, you know, the, the, the next generation, like repeats every so often. Like, I mean, I saw generations like and I like I, I wasn't like, you know, hooked on every, you know, Star Trek thing. I don't even know if I saw a trailer for this movie. So like and all I vaguely remember is like, you know, my dad, like we were in the video store. My dad was like, oh, that new Star Trek movie's out. Like, you want to watch that? And, but, you know, my, my dad is very uh, choosy when it comes to science fiction things. He's not a big fan of science fiction, but he liked The Next Generation. So I said, yeah, like, I, I know you would probably enjoy that. You like The Next Generation. And he was like, you know, and he's he's a you know, he's like, I know all the characters. So, yes, like, I'll, I'll like that one. Yeah. So. Um, so we rented it and we watched it and I was like, yeah, that was, that was good. And then I kind of moved on from it. Like, and you know, years later when I got more into like, you know, Star Trek a little more again, uh, you know, I, I would look online, you know, with the advent of the internet, I'd be looking online and like looking up like people's opinions on some of these movies. And, you know, like you said, consistently, like it says, oh, first contact is the best next generation movie and going like, you know, uh, generations, I like, you know, I just had kind of. Yeah, I liked that, like just seeing it like that one time or whatever. And then first contact, I saw it and I was like, yeah, I was entertained. And I don't think I've ever seen Insurrection like like I know it came (laughs) out and like I've seen a chunk of it on loan and like repeated on TV. But I think like I I saw a like 20 minute chunk of it. I was like, man, they weren't kidding when they said this is like the most boring one. Like this is like, yeah. And then, like, I saw ne- Nemesis was the first Next Generation movie I saw in theaters. It, it, I, I think it was the first Star Trek movie I saw in theaters. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, and, like, again, I wasn't a big Star Trek fan, so I watched, I went yeah. with a friend who was a big Star Trek fan, and I came out of that movie, and I was like, yeah, that was okay. And, you know, my fr- fan, friend who was a Star Trek fan was like, that was balls, man. Like, that was <laughs> awful. Like, I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. Like, and then, you know, but, uh. So having said all that, rewatching this the other day and like what the like the pre-knowledge in my head that like I'd probably only seen it twice before and like the, I had the generic knowledge that, oh, yeah, this is considered the best Star Trek next generation movie. Like 
like it was common like knowledge to me and like you know rewatching it the other day i was just kind of like yeah it's okay like i don't it was like i felt like i remembered it being a lot better than it was and i think what you said is right derek that's a lot of those moments do not land if you're not if you don't have that theater energy like behind you or whatever or there aren't other people to yeah all all the one-liners like you know even like like you said the it need the movie needs a laugh track like when when you know Worf goes back to his station after arriving on the enterprise and Riker's like you remember how to fire phasers and Worf right, gives him that right. look and like Riker gives him a goofy look back <laughs> like it yeah. needed a laugh track yes. or something yes but no you're absolutely right like i think when when it's Picard and Lily like together, like I think those are the most like scenes that jump with the most energy. Like I like, yeah, Alfre Woodard is awesome in this movie. She's great. Like I believed everything she said. I was never like forced to laugh at any of lines. Like I, I always laugh at, like, I remember it. And like, this is maybe the standout line in the movie to me is when, uh, you know, Picard quotes Moby Dick and he's like, and she's like, what? And he's like, Moby Dick. Like, like you said earlier, and she's like, what? Bobby Dick. Actually, I never read it. Like, that always makes me laugh. Like, like, it's such a, that's a good delivery of a line. Um, and yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I just, I was like, oh yeah, I remember like the Borg queen and like, you know, and then for some reason, probably cause I was like a friggin' horny, like 13. 14 year old i always remember data and the board queen like french kissing or whatever and then, then like oh yeah they fight the borg like all the the zephram stuff. like I, I was like oh yeah they go back and i was like what was that dude's like obviously i know who he is now but like uh, like when i tried to recall the movie like years and years ago i was like what was that dude's deal like what did he invent like star a starship or something like and i was like oh warp drive like okay like and then like when we watched that episode of enterprise like a few weeks ago i remembered like that whole scene where i was like oh yeah right like he meet he's the first one to you know greet the vulcans or whatever and like like i feel like this movie was not as good as I remember it. I bet as I can sum it up at like as and like I obviously haven't watched it hundreds of times like Justin has. Like this is probably the third or fourth time I've ever watched it, and there's been huge gaps in between that. But yeah, like I I mean I agree with everything that Derek's saying. Like it's it it works the first the magic trick works the first time, but like and there are really good points in this, and there there I think. You know, it holds up a lot better than Generations, but ultimately, like, it's still a pretty weak, like, it's it's a pretty, not weak outing, but it's, it's, it's pretty mediocre, I guess. I don't know. Can I, can I, can I go into my nerd fucking Star Trek nonsense that this movie makes my <laughs> head explode? Okay. Okay. The Borg Queen is a dirty, dirty, dirty fucking retcon, like. Borg spheres are dirty fucking retcons. Like, I don't... Okay, like, I've always said, like, the Borg... If the Borg are Venom and Species 8427, whatever the fuck, is Carnage, right? The Borg Queen is fucking null, right? Like, like that's... I don't know. Like, there, there's something about that that just, like... Like, it's like, 
there's been this queen the whole time and you just didn't know about it. And it's like, but the Borg's a collective, like, like, I don't know, like, like that kind of stuff, like, like always drove me fucking nuts where I'm like, it's almost like, okay. Like the, the, the problem is like, it's like Borgs assimilate and they're technologically advanced, but then it's that Plinket thing where he goes into like, well, are they just dumb zombies? Are they, are they, and again, the queen thing, it's like, are they kind of, is this a poor man's James Cameron's aliens? You know, like, are they just stealing the queen thing and go, well, that worked for that movie. Let's do it here. The whole like data and the Borg queen thing was to give Brent Spiner something to do, you know? And it's like, what, what, what did you get out of that? That, that, you know, this goes into the whole, like why, you know, Picard fucking stinks, right? Like that, that the people who wrote that only watch these movies. And if you only watch this movie, it's like, Oh, go save your friend. And Alfred Woodard says it so majestically, like, I mean, you'd be hard pressed to not believe that that Data and Picard are best friends, like the way she says it. Right. Go go save your friend, you know, like and he runs off to, quote unquote, save him. Right. But it's just like, I don't, I don't know, like that. You know, it, do you remember like, you know, what else was a big deal at the time? Like you talk about, oh, uh, I don't remember the Lieutenant Hawk is gay thing but you know what i do remember was a huge controversy was like holy shit we see a bathroom in star trek like that was the controversy you know that dream sequence where he's he's washing his hands in the sink and everybody's like holy fuck there's a bathroom like and i remember that was kind of like i had a hard time like wrapping my head around that you know like because you're thinking about like sonic showers and why do they have a sink and you know i don't know anyway that's that's more nerd shit my big nerd shit, which I've also kind of already talked about is like, and this comes from that opening sequence. It's a, what it's a dream sequence, but yet I think it's supposed to tell you that like he's, he's reconnected or is picking up Borg transmissions, even in his dreams. I think that's what that's intended to do, even though I think it's like a stupid jump scare in the movie and is kind of dumb, but like, I hate that this like, okay, like I Borg, is not like the end all be all of the next generation. It's not like a fantastic episode or anything, but like, the, and, and I felt like a sense of um, vindication when I, I finally saw that red letter media review. Cause it's, it's interesting, right? Like I, I feel like red letter media has, uh, I don't know, impacted me or influenced me or, or whatever you want to call it. Right. But like the, the there's that, thing where i think i first discovered them because of the phantom menace review i watched it i thought it was funny i chuckled and then i realized like oh shit this guy really likes star trek like and i i don't think i realized that when i originally watched that phantom menace video and then i kind of went back and discovered like all these intense reviews on star trek and and the whole time i would just sit there and you know i was like leo dicaprio and the fucking meme like pointing at the fucking screen like yes 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 you know like i i recognize that like and 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 the, the, to me the biggest thing is like i had always thought like you know and this was always my complaint about this movie from day 1 after i saw it was like picard dealt with that shit like he dealt like if he was still as angry and Ahab vengeance ridden as he was in this film, he never 
would have let Hugh go back. He would have sent Hugh back as a fucking time bomb. Like what that was the original plan. Right. And it's like, I, I don't know, like, like that, that, that kind of thing, like just sticks with me the wrong way because it's like, you, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of, uh, you know, I guess it's true of like any character that they walk stuff back from, but it's like, you know, you've got guys like Hawkeye and Wolverine and Guy Gardner, or I'm trying to think of like other characters, but like, you know, characters that have like this massive character growth and development and go from being like a guy you probably hate to a guy you, you can respect or, you know, whatever the arc is. Right. And I'm not saying like we hated Picard and then we respected Picard, but the, the idea was, he was violated by the Borg. He did have uh, feelings of, of you know, he wanted to enact revenge against the Borg and all that other stuff. And you could argue, oh, they wasted that on I Borg, right? But it happened. It, it It's done, you know, like it was done. But yet somehow he magically like just his all that character development was undone for this. Like. And and I get it, like, you know, some of those scenes are, are like the greatest scenes in this movie, right? Like, where he's like, and I wouldn't make them pay, and, you know, whatever, right? Like, I get it. Like, it's all fine, it's all tour de force and all that other stuff, but it's like, I, I, I kind of felt like it was recycled bullshit, like, for a movie audience. And 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 that, that those, I don't know, like, this, most of these films felt like they never really lined up with what they had done in the series you know like and 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 for me like again talking about this movie as a crowd pleaser it's not just the jokes that maybe don't hold up but like it, it's funny because there's a lot of fan service in this and i i think that's why it's one of the more uh widely regarded Star Trek films. I mean, you've got somebody like like Ronald Moore in there who at least knows his shit, right? And they try to incorporate this stuff. But then if you look at like the the plot logistics and things that don't make sense and then start trying to to fit it into canon, it's like, okay, so I remember being super happy to see Worf, you know, and super happy that he was in the Defiant. And in that three months leading up to the film, like, you know, the September and I was waiting forevers. Like, I mean, I was totally in the shit, like watching Deep Space Nine every week. And it made you wonder, like, oh, how are they going to uh, if I recall correctly, Deep Space Nine hadn't even caught up with the movie yet. They didn't have those purple uniforms, you know, and you're like, how are they going to incorporate Worf into this? Is Worf going to leave Deep Space Nine? Like, is he going to? You know, and 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 then they kind of do the tie into it. But, you know, it's it's kind of like when you start thinking about shit where it's, you know, the whole routine about, you know, the Defiant was designed to fight Borg, but yet it gets his ass whooped by the fucking Borg, you know, like that, that kind of thing, you know, like or you've got like the doctor, right, who who's the EMH from Voyager or at least a version of the EMH, right? That's, that's, uh, designed to, uh, you know, I don't know, buy, buy them time or something in that scene, right. As they get away. And it's like, it's a super cool cameo. Robert Picardo's awesome. Like that was again, this huge fan service nod. You had the guy that plays Neelix unmakeuped that's, uh, in the Dixon Hill thing. So you've got like all this fan service and stuff, which is nice, but 
again, like going back to it 25 years later, like does that hold up? Does it help anything? Does it make any sense really? Like not exactly, you know, like, like did, did the Borg come to, to enslave humanity or did they come to stop Zeph from Cochran from first contact? Do you know what I mean? And the movie's not really clear about that. And I think that goes back to the whole Ronald Moore wanted to make a movie about the Borg. So the plot was the Borg's going to enslave humanity. And then Braga wanted to make the movie about his fucking stupid Renaissance fair in the past. And that's where the whole, like, let's stop first contact comes into play. And like, I don't know, I, I guess I can, I don't know, for some reason, Cochran bothered me as like, you know, I don't think it messes with the original series that much, right? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, what what do you think about that, Justin? Like, like, I mean, there, there's enough in there where it's like the, the companion, you know, made him youthful and stuff like that. So you could just, you know, like, I, I suppose you could make a lot of allowances for stuff like that. I feel like I feel like Enterprise did more damage than this film. But like, what do you what do you think? What's your take on Cochran as far as? nerd continuity wise like if i were to say like well he does he doesn't even look like the same cochran like this is this feels weird like what the hell's up with this like would you just say like shut the fuck up and enjoy the movie or like what what's your what's your deal with that i remember at the time it bothered me a whole lot and i remember like looking through all my tapes because i didn't own any official tapes i just like recorded stuff on yeah. tv yeah yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have metamorphosis on tape at the time but then the next time i caught it on tv I like, you know, made sure to like pay attention and study it. And I was like trying to like think about it. And I was like, does this line up and stuff? But like, because it is almost like two characters, like they're so different. And I guess you could attribute that to the companion. And then I remember reading someone else's take about this on the internet where they were saying Cochran in first contact is basically a take on Gene Roddenberry. Like he was. Mm held up as the great bird of the galaxy and he did this and he did that. But when you, when you read about the actual man, like all the affairs he had and some of his wacky doodle ideas and how he kept trying to make a bunch of money off the original series, even after it was in repeats and all this other stuff. And then all the shenanigans he did when they were making the original series films, you're kind of like, well, he, like, where were his ideals then? Like, he just, like, wanted money and to get laid. And that's kind of what Zephram Cochran said. He's like, look, you know, I take trains. I don't even want to fly. Like, I, you know, my dream was, uh, you know, retire to, a, you know, an island full of naked women. Like, that's Zephram Cochran in his dream. And someone else was like, you know, that was basically Gene Roddenberry's dream. Like, he didn't mm. he didn't have all these great ideas of, like, oh, we're going to have a Russian and a black lady in space and – we're going to sing Kumbaya and it's going to be great. And there's no money. Like that wasn't really Gene Roddenberry's personal idealism. That was just something he he put in the science fiction TV show and people do, 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 onto it, it. do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to be one of those people who was like, Oh yeah, Gene Roddenberry's great. But then I got older and I started reading, you know, people's autobiographies and books of people wrote when like were, um, What's the one called? I think it's called Inside Star Trek. It's written by like two oh, of the yeah, producers, yeah, yeah. and that. they had a lot of interesting stories. And I was like, yeah. I was like, it blew my mind. I was like, holy crap! You mean you mean all this stuff is true? And like Ron Burry's like kind of a scummy guy, and it really 
kind of changed the way I, I, I viewed him and going back to Seth from Cochran, I remember seeing in a theater and I was like, this doesn't really line up and work for me. But then when you think about like, okay, you know, the companion can de-age him and yeah, it's been I mean, years and years later and he's probably, you know, he, you know, the, the other way I kind of rationalized it, I'm like, okay, there's the line about him de- being de-aged. And then that, that also helps me too, because it's like, th- think of it this way. Like if it, if it's George Washington, right, we all have our image of, George Washington, founding father with mm-hmm. the powdered wig in, in his prime when he was about to you know, lead the American Revolution. But what if George Washington got taken by the companion, got made like 20 years old, and then me, you and Mike get abducted by the companion, too, to hang out with George Washington. Right. And 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 I'm like dude, this guy like kind of feels familiar to me. And you're like, yeah, he feels familiar too. He says his name's George, you know, or whatever. And then, and then, and then by the end of it, he's like, yes, I'm George Washington. And we're like, holy fuck. Like this is, it's not the vision we remember from history, right? Like the, 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 in his, I don't know, historical prime, but like it it took, it took a minute for them to catch up with that. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, I, I guess that makes sense. You know what I mean? And then the, I, I think the stuff that really shatters it for Star Trek nerds is him, you know, being like, oh, I was hanging out with Archer and I'm part of the Federation. And, all, you know, it's like that kind of ruins, like, I guess, quote unquote, the whole, uh, you know, what does Kirk call him? Like uh, Cochran from uh, Alpha Centauri or whatever. And you're like, I ain't from no fucking Alpha Centauri. He's from fucking... <laughs> Tennessee or what, whatever, wherever the fuck he's from, you know, like, he's just like, what the fuck? Like, so, you know, like that, that kind of thing. And I mean, they specifically say like, oh, you know, we just said, fuck it. Like we, you know, it's like, we, we knew the character existed. We used the character, but then we just decided, look, we're just going to make him his own thing, you know, and, and you'll just have to live with it. And most people that are going to see this movie, like didn't know that that was, you know what I mean? Like they, they didn't care. They didn't know, or it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal to them or whatever it was. Right. Like, and so that's, you know, I guess that's just, just how it is. But I mean, yeah, you know what else I thought was always, I don't know if it rubbed me the wrong way, but I just felt like it was odd. And this is another case of, you know, Larry, there's too many blue people in X-Men, Larry. Um, I always thought it was weird. I mean, I know she was in the last movie and that's probably why she wasn't in this movie. And probably because you had Alfre Woodard and and you, you couldn't also have Whoopi Goldberg in the movie, I guess, because, you know, dare I say it, too many blue people, Larry. But, you know, like that, that's one of those things where I always felt it was weird because, like, see, th- that's what's funny about that I Borg episode is because that episode is so pivotal to Picard's emotional recovery from that trauma and he goes through an arc and he deals with it. And then one of the main people that is involved in that is Guinan. And in some ways, they both deal with, you know, some emotional recovery. And by the end of it, you get the vibe like they are this evolved form of humanity or El Orion or whatever. You know, this evolved form of, of Federation member, you know, that, that you know, does not would not be. Um, uh, a slave to to vengeful feelings right like that they 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 dealt with they, they had those feelings right and 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 they had to wrestle with those but by the end of that episode you feel like look they they did the the good and right and noble thing and and 
you know, whatever, right? Like, and 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 they kind of dealt with those feelings. So in some sense, there's no reason for Guinan to be in this. But if there's no reason for Guinan to be in this, there's no reason for Picard to still be hunting the fucking whale. You know what I mean? There's no reason for Picard to hunt the Moby Dick board because he found like, I don't know, a little dipper Moby Dick or something and nursed him to health and sent him on his fucking way and, and, and decided, look, man, I, I don't hold a grudge anymore. I get it. You know, like, you know, the, the not all white whales are bad and we might even be able to, I mean, I don't know some of the moral implications of, of, dare I say it, fucking Picard, like, blow my mind, too, because you're, like, sitting there going, like, again, this goes back to that whole thing, like, are they zombies? Are they aliens? Are they cybernetic beings? Like, and if they're if they're cybernetic beings that used to be other beings that you can then recover, like, well, what the fuck do they call them in stupid Picard? The, the, XBs. The XBs, right? Like, if, if that's, if the moral implication is all Borg used to be something else before they were Borg, then that means it's not like a walking dead scenario where like, you know, somebody gets bitten and they're a zombie and then they're fucked and you have to shoot them in the head. Right. The moral implication is somebody gets assimilated, but, and it, yeah, I mean, it may take a lot of time resources, like stuff that people don't have, but the, the implication is if you're in the right environment, like like Hugh was, or if you're in the right environment, like, um, you know, Annika Hansen was right, like like you you could conceivably rehabilitate them and they could become human or what what whatever their previous species was. But then that like racks my brain, too, because what the fuck is the queen like? What the fuck are pure Borg? Are there pure Borg like like and I feel like those are questions like. I mean, I could be wrong because you could you could probably school me on this, Justin. But I'm like, have they ever answered that question? Like, are there pure Borg? Like, is there just a Borg that's a Borg or like, are they all like some other species that got assimilated? And then it's like, well, then where the fuck did the Borg start exactly? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe that's too, I don't know, heady or something. I don't know. There are a few novels that deal with like the concept of the origin of the Borg. You know, if if you felt Voyager like overused the Borg like in the early two thousands, it kind of became the same issue. Like the Borg kept showing up in novels, and finally they did this big three part novel where it involved all the current characters. Like it involved like the TNG crew, the Deep Space Nine crew, Voyager crew, and then like also like this is gonna sound weird, but like at that point in the novel verse, Esri became captain of her own starship and she was involved. But anyway, that three, Ezra, huh? yeah, I know. Yeah, I know it, it was a whole Dang. thing, but, um, they go into some details of the Borg origin. It's not like, you know, we have like a complete encyclopedia entry on them, but it's like, it's this whole thing. And eventually the, the Borg themselves are absorbed by this even more powerful, you know, like, you know, like there's always a bigger fish. There's always mm. like a carnage or a knoll out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not exactly like bad guys, but they're like some kind of like, you know, mystical science fiction race. And they absorb all the Borg. And then like they also like anyone like 709 who has like Borg implants still in them. Like most of that is like dissolved or removed but um basically this great 
powerful race like absorbs the Borg and they all like go off into some higher plane. But like as far as like pure Borg and the origins of like how the Borg grows, they deal with some of that. And it's, I mean, I guess it's one of those things where like if you, I guess it's like Wolverine's origin. You always wonder about it, and then when you get like when you mm. sit down to like eat that meal, you're like, yeah. well, that was that was okay. It wasn't really what I expected. Yeah. Um, going back to like the idea of the board queen. Board queen is is bone claws to me, kind of. Um, I feel like I read something once that it was talking about that whole like original braga idea of like going back to the Renaissance period. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like I read something that said some studio guy was like, you know, w- what's the deal with these board guys? Aren't they just zombies? Like, can't you like, can't you make like someone for them uh, to like, take on like an antagonist? Okay. So I, I kind of wonder if the board queen was created out of necessity. Well, that that was that again. That was probably a studio head. That was a Larry going, you know, yeah. what, who's who's the. Who's the bad guy? Who are we going to cast? But you know what's funny? I mean, they cast Alice Krieg, and like all I could think of is like the the one thing I remembered her from before I saw her in this was um that shitty Stephen King Sleepwalkers movie where she's yeah. stabbing people in the back with corns on the fucking cob and stuff. Like I don't I I don't know. Like I mean, I get what they were going for i mean it, you know some larry said well who's the antagonist and they said well, let's just rip off cameron's aliens and, and give them a queen i mean the only the only charitable thing i could think of is if you go back to that original um what was it the season one finale with the little fucking critter mabobs that went in people's chests and oh shit? that was the original idea for the Did, that that yeah. was the original board concept right so like that I could almost see like, well, if they're all like critter mabobs, like there must be a, a queen critter. Mob- you know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> that I could see there must be a, a, a head critter mabob that's like, oh, we're going to, you know, you know, whatever. Right. Like uh, that I could understand. Right. That there's a there there's a, a queen or a, a primary, you know, leading these organisms that that take over people's bodies. But like the Borg. Yeah, I don't know. Like that's. That's one of those things where it's like, it, it, I mean, it became canon. And like, like I said, I mean, it, it to me, it's like you can't walk it back either. I mean, it's it's bone claws. Like, it's just it's fucking stuck there no matter how shitty it is, because like the Borg Queen shows up like again and again and again in that in the fucking Voyager shit, you know, and it's just she won't go the go away you know like go away um but she keeps coming back and it's not even alice creek either which is e- e- even more funny because it's like they couldn't even well, they couldn't even afford back, her right? she comes back for the series finale of voyager oh okay well, it, it was somebody different though like in like those you know other was? episodes right i can't think of the name of the actress but it was that uh it was the, the actress who kissed dax in that one episode i mentioned oh okay okay got it got it okay yeah, I I mean, I don't know, like like this isn't so much like Star Trek nerd stuff, but like this is just like plot nerd stuff. Like, y- y- you know how their their goal is to make the deflector dish and like call the Borg like from the past to like help them out or something like call for reinforcements like. OK. This is just me like there, there there's and again, I keep going back to the Plinket shit, so forgive me, but the like the Plinket thing is like, well, if your goal is to just take over world with borg 
what why did you have to like fight your way directly to earth to do it like why don't you just go back in time and then you know fly there when nobody's defending earth there's that aspect to it right like why why waste all this time because the, the reason is because you need this cool big action sequence in the opening which is probably you know the the, the cool thing that everybody came there for but like i said it was only like 10 percent of the movie right but like my my thing is I'll, I'll I'll even you know pretend I ignore all that and I'm 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 fooled by the magic magic trick like okay they're they're calling them on a satellite dish so if the future Borg call the past Borg and the Borg Queen is a big fat retcon and was always a Borg Queen does that mean like there's going to be two Borg Queens and like are they going to vie for supremacy like are they going to fight with one another like say say Picard fucks up and every, you know all the you know, everybody fucks up and the the deflector dish calls right and they're, they're all assimilated right and it's locutus 2.0 and all this you know, right then the reinforcements show up does does that mean like alice krieg and the chick from um the dax episode are going to be there like fight cat fighting with one another to decide like oh, i'm going to be in charge like i'm just like i i have a question for you Derek. okay how do you feel about the Enterprise episode that is kind of a sequel to this film? Like, do you enjoy that? Is that no, like that, for you? that that that's one of the I think that was one of the episodes where that you know how I always say, like, I try to get into the new series and then I lose interest in it and then I revisit it. And that's always true of all Star Trek series. Like and I have those moments like what the fuck's a Klingon doing on the bridge? Like what? You know, there's there's those key things that like, you know take me out of what I think is Star Trek. And by the time I'm pretty sure I at least got as far as that episode. I, I think between, I, I forget which came first, but between the Ferengi showing up early and the Borg showing up early, like those both pissed me off to where I didn't want to watch the show anymore. Cause I was like, you can't think of anything else. Like, and it totally, to me, it like totally, well, why, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, yeah, that I guess the answer to your question is yes, absolutely. It totally like <laughs> fucked with my, you know, continuity nerd like brain and, and was just like I was like, I can't, you know, I mean, you know, I, I guess you, you have to kind of uh, unfortunately, like, I think a lot of stuff in that, you know, I mean, I mean, the entire Archer NX Enterprise is a retcon, right? So like you have to you have to be really, really like just kind of go with the flow for a lot of that stuff to work period right i always thought it was funny you know like in first contact they're trying to send a message in that episode they do send their message and they're like oh i get it'll take about 200 years for them to get here just in time for captain picard <laughs> you're just like oh uh, <laughs> see see and that's the thing like i hate that shit like i hate that i it's like that's um I don't know. I, I feel like I say this too much disparagingly, so I apologize to, to Smallville fans. But I always feel like that's all the Smallvillian bullshit where it's just like or or maybe maybe a better thing now to rag on is uh, Gotham. You know, it's like that Gotham thing where it's like one day I'll grow up to be a real jokester. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like that kind of shit where you're just like fucking grown, man, like fucking double grown. Like, you know, like give me a break, you know? Okay, here, here's a question. Here's a nerd question and a plot question problem. Why does Worf have a self-destruct code? Like, isn't he, like, not a member of the the crew? Like, or, or do all, like, 
like, are, are you telling me like all Federation like brass officers, whether they serve on a ship or not, have their own personal destruct code? And if that's the case, like, what if like, what if like like three Maquis got together and their code still worked? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like that that kind of stuff like makes my head hurt because I'm like, shouldn't it have been like, you know, I don't know, like Picard and. Uh, I don't know who else was on the bridge, but like Beverly and, you know, some Beverly had a nice haircut in this, by the way. I liked her uh, frosted tips to go back to positive things. But um, but what? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I don't I, I, why, why. Why does Worf have an auto destruct code? I do remember thinking, wondering about that at the time. I think if he had said, like, you know, this is, you know, Lieutenant Commander Worf acting, you know, security officer or something like that. You know, like like in Star Trek three, Chekhov says, you know. Computer, this is, you know, Pavel Chekhov, acting science officer. Mm. So that's why he gets his little code. But, like, okay. Worf, Worf doesn't even say that. He's like, computer, this is Worf, code, bloody, 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 blah. Yeah, it makes you think, like, everybody gets, like, it's like, uh, you know, the codes you get to download digital copies in your DVD. Like, Worf just got one to blow shit up, you know? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, why Why does, what? It's like... <laughs> You know, what can 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 Picard like go on the the Defiant and just be like, all right, uh, auto destruct code Picard, you know, mega mega or whatever the fuck the code is, and then it's like that's that's it. Doesn't matter that it's not your fucking ship, you know. Like I'm, I don't know. Seems weird. I feel bad because I'm like I I I didn't want to come on and like dunk on the movie, but it's like I kind of feel like I did come on and try to dunk on the movie or something like, I mean, it's like, I didn't, I, I, I wasn't like mad that I rewatched this or anything like, but it's just, I don't know, dude, like the, the, the next generation movies, like I'm just, I guess the nicest way to put it is, and, and maybe, you know, I haven't revisited. It's not like I did a big watch through of the next generation, like recently or anything, but I mean, I've seen, you know, an episode here or there or whatever. Like I, I kind of feel like to me, like, if I want to revisit the next generation, it's like for fun. I would like revisit, you know, episodes. You know what I mean? Like I, I would rather watch the best of both worlds, part one and two, than first contact. Like, does that make sense? That makes yeah, that makes sense to me. Okay, okay. So I'm I'm not trying to be like you know Mr. Debbie Downer or like you know shit on anybody's parade or whatever. But you know, I I just I I, I think uh-huh. there's there's other things that I would rather revisit than than this or or to be frank like a- any i mean i've seen next generation episodes over like many many times but like the movies like i said i don't think i like i've, I've seen generations the most probably and i think i've only seen nemesis twice and i've only seen this movie like three times and i don't think i've ever seen insurrection so I, like the next generation <laughs> movies are not a good representation of mm-hmm. the next generation the next generation yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay okay that's I mean, like I, that's another bit about like Picard that always that kind of annoyed me where it's like you're building your plot off Nemesis like man that's weak sauce like you know like Picard's plot was basically built off the back of Nemesis and it's like, it's funny because because you're like you're like that that that's goes back to that whole old school thing like like the the hierarchy I always talk about where film is is more widely regarded like there's no way they were gonna they were going to tune into any of those prequel, uh, you know, Abrams verse comics where, you know, data was a captain and all that stuff was like super cool. Right. Like there, there's no way they were going to do that. So, which it, to me is a shame. Cause I, I really like those, uh, prequel comics. 
I mean, my 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 final like uh, my final crude thought on this is like this film is first contact is is like a chick you had a really good time banging that one time, and then if you ever go back and bang them again, it's like kind of lousy, you know, like every single time. How dare you! And you know, and then Data's like, I am not frightened, and the audience is like, ha 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 ha. But yeah, that's my. Was that good for you? Come on, man! Like what? Like, <laughs> come on! You know what? When um, when when going through the corridors of the ship, and Data's like, you know, I'm feeling like anxiety, and like Picard's like, why don't you just shut off your emotions, Chip? And he's like, okay, like, and I felt like that was a sly like slam on generations, like, and like Picard was like, oh, remember that stuff with the emotions, Chip, in the last movie? That was fucking irritating. Shut that <laughs> shit off, Data. Shut like, that shit off. Doop. Done. And then I, I think that also got an audience reaction, you know. Derek, is yes. it possible that you and I have grown so old and so neglectful <laughs> that we haven't lived our usefulness? Would that, would that constitute a joke? Uh, see, and that's that 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 makes me laugh. And you're saying it. So imagine what it'd be like if I, I listened to Leonard Nimoy say, so, <laughs> you know. Is that is that it? You guys have any other final thoughts? I laugh a lot at the the holodeck scene, like the you know the angry Picard Tommy gun. Scene. Oh, okay. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that always me. I like whenever whenever I need a gif of like someone going ballistic on something, I always try to find the Picard using the Tommy gun like scene. Like you killed Ensign Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, poor Ensign fucking Lynch. Derek, if there's a way we can get off this podcast and blow it up, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. You know, no! <laughs> no! No! Yeah, that, that, that's another gift I always look for. Him smashing the glass case whenever there's something like, you know, I hate. Like, no, no! Yeah. I, I had a I had a generic like Borg question like you were kind of talking about like are they zombies are they you know cyborgs like maybe Justin can answer it but like how long does it take for a like a, a crew like a human to be like assimilated like, doesn't that change like in certain episodes like I feel they have to take you like you know they they inject you with something and then they have to take you and add all the cyborg shit on you but like i mean they drag lieutenant hawk off and he's back in like a minute like and he's like borged yeah that's something that seems very variable depending on plot needs like look at best of both worlds like essentially picard is assimilated but like Physically, he's okay. Like Dr. Crusher says, she removed all the nanoprobes. I guess he was just lucky they didn't cut up his arm or stick something in his eye, right? Because that would have been horrifying. And then, I don't know. I, like I said, I think it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, we need this to be like long and drawn out. So we're going to say, you know, it, it, you know, it just it does whatever it needs to do. I don't know. Sometimes it's, Sometimes it does feel instantaneous and other times it feels like it's just slow and you know laborious but yeah I, there's there's no like definitive like answer really yeah i was wondering because it's like yeah like you said like it's like it's weird it's like 
you have to mercy kill them immediately? Or, I mean, is there a chance they can be recovered? Because it seems like, you know, Picard went, obviously, went with the route that you could just, like, undo everything. You yeah, know I mean? that's that's why I think the moral implications of that are, are somewhat different from a zombie, right? Because, you know, I mean, un- unless there's some, you know, I don't know, zombie fiction where, you know, you can, I don't know, you know, shoot somebody with some, you know, um, anti-zombie juice or some shit. Like the the Enterprise episode that Derek and I talked about, like Flux, the Doctor, he he gets assimilated, and it 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 affects him slowly. Like he starts to like, I don't know, it's like he's physically trying to hold it back, like willing himself, and he eventually like does some kind of radiation treatment and destroys them, which I think is, it's like, oh, that would have been useful two hundred years later, but but you know, it's like in the movie you see people assimilated, you know almost instantaneously but in that episode the nanoprobes and whatever are going through flocks slowly so it's just it's variable yeah i I felt like i never had a solid answer to that just because i've seen different versions of it in different episodes and you know the movies was there i'm trying to remember was there much difference i didn't even look at this like dc made the first contact movie adaptation i can't even remember marvel a marvel made it oh shit Because that was that was when they were doing the Paramount line. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Was that was that? I I don't even remember that. Was that good? Was that bad? Was it any different from the film? I don't remember there being many differences. I remember at the time not being happy with the artwork, but I've not mm-hmm. looked at it in twenty five okay. years to be honest. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't even think I, I. I gotta be honest. I don't even. I mean, I was into that Paramount line, but like I said, I think my favorite book ended up becoming the, the Starfleet Academy one. And I know I consistently bought that. And then the other ones kind of fell by the wayside. So I'm almost positive. I don't, I don't think I even bought that. You know what drove me crazy about that? Okay. You know, the series finale of next generation, they're in the future and Crusher has her own ship, right? It's like a medical ship with a big sphere. You know the ship I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. So in this comic, during the big space battle sequence, you see one of those ships in a space battle and i'm just like what no that's wrong this is bullshit they're, they're, they just took the just, most convenient model yeah, to yeah reused spot, right? assets i mean i guess i guess another positive thing i can say is um i did watch this on my my 10 blu-ray set or whatever for all the movies and i mean the blu-ray looked nice i mean some of the some of the like the gas special effects look kind of stupid but the you know, the ships and the Borg cube stuff at the beginning. Like, that all looked pretty nice. All right. Well, I guess this kind of wraps things up. If you guys have any comments, questions, or concerns, if you have some angry emails, you're like, how dare you lambast uh, Star Trek First Contact, you son of a bitch. I will make you pay. <laughs> um, you can you can send uh, angry emails to fanholspodcast at gmail.com. We are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. We can be found on all kinds of, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, streaming and stuff like that. We are on uh, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music. Yeah, we're on all that stuff, so check that stuff out. And, oh, yeah, the, the backlog. The backlog of episodes is on fanholspodcast.blogspot.com, and you can direct download all the proper episodes there. This is a proper show, but you can, you know, if you like any of the other spinoff shows, please please direct download those as well. 
And until the next time, this is Derek, Derek WC, the Borg Queen's retcon, signing off. It's my resistance is futile. And this is Justin. Derek, blow up a damn podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily, we didn't have to. shoots the photon torpedoes at it but they missed and i'm like Derek! that that was that's another thing like i think is funny like i mean I, it's like that's all for dramatic purposes like to, to accidentally miss the 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 phoenix like plinkett goes into detail he's like well, why don't you just like smash the thing right now like why'd you yeah. have to fucking mm-hmm. fire those torpedoes and you, you, you would think with how, with how precise the Borg are, you would think they'd like instantly calculate. Wait, those missiles aren't going to hit or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Data should have been like, "Oh, sorry, like you replaced my other eye with my like Brent Spiner eye, so I'm all like effed up. Sorry, I'm messed up in this human eye that you keep doing the whoopee on. He's like blowing on his eye. I, I always kind of wondered, like. Okay, so the Borg Queen was like that little spine that plugs into the the thing. Like, can you can you fuck the Borg Queen? Like, <laughs> is that even possible? Because she's talking about are you are you can you you know in data you know bone shit and Data's like yeah I boned Tashiar eight years ago, and she's like oh okay great but I'm just kind of like but she's just the spine with the little thing on the what the fuck I don't know. I'm just saying, there might not be an orifice down there. I don't think there is. <laughs> you know? mm. Stuff like that makes me think of like Brody and Maul. Like, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm the thing's bro- dork. Is it brown? Is it orange too? Like, is it rock? I'm, I'm Brodying the board queen. So did data come or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Oh my god!